When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Their premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 plus a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia. 107.5 The Game on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome in. It is the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyler Head broadcasting live out at the Darlington Raceway getting set for Cookout Southern 500 weekend. It's an exciting weekend all around. Wes and Chris back in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios in Columbia. Guys, we finally made it one more day, and we're finally going to see some South Carolina football for real. So ready. Just precious hours remaining until kickoff. Talking to a lot of people, Wes, this morning running into people yesterday, a lot of people going up to Charlotte. You and I, as a matter of fact, going up to Charlotte after we complete some obligations here in Columbia. Is uh, going to be a Garnet takeover? I hear in it could Charlotte? be. I hear it could be. So uh, our own Kendall Smith gave Colin and I the inside report. She's seen a lot of Garnet around the Queen City these past couple of days. So might be leaning a little bit Gamecock heavy in Bank of America Stadium. Do we have a report on the ratio Garnet to baby blue. She could not give us a ratio. Right, she no just ratio. said a lot. All right. Yeah, I expect a really good crowd. Game day should be fun. A lot of people altered plans as soon as the game day announcement uh, was made. So, including my wife, including yet yeah, mine too. <laughs> Shout out. Um, and we're gonna. So we'll be heading up there. Be checking out things in the morning. And then, obviously, a huge game this weekend. Hey, before we dive into the Gamecocks, we got a lot to unpack. Wes, I hear we're having to buy or sell later. We are. Is we that are. accurate? Okay. I'm excited for that. What did y'all think of the Florida-Utah game last night? We must cover well, this. First of, first of all, I got to ask, <laughs> were you guys able to actually watch the game? We were. Funny, we were. Okay. Funny, funny you bring that up. So we, we were at, um, I think I say this, I think they're a sponsor. We were at the Fireflies game. Luckily, okay. they don't have Spectrum. Okay. So it was on. When I got... When I got home, I was I was able to watch this 
the screen gray that we're screen at. with a blue <laughs> thing and a QR code on it. I just sat in my living room and stared at it. <laughs> but followed game tracker. For, fortunately, Utah had already just like enforced their will on Florida. I feel like so. I didn't really so, feel like I missed anything. So, Wes, you had the opportunity to switch over to Fox to watch Marcus Satterfield's dynamic offense with the Cornhuskers, right? I, I actually, so I, I did watch that. I did, y'all, this is how stupid I am. I, so we were out and about last night, um, entertaining some folks. Again, went to the Fireflies game. I was so wired when I got home. I ended up watching the entire Braves Dodgers game. That started at 10 10 Eastern. I was yes. asleep. When it started, I'm first pitch, I was out. And I, I did watch um, the end. I mean, I, I actually, frankly, felt awful for Nebraska fans because they, they do show up and they show out. And I was like, Nebraska, this is not pretty, but Nebraska's going to win this game in the first, you know, the, the opening of the Matt Rule era. And, man, it was not to be. Um, it, that was That felt to me like a typical... Week one, new coaching staff on one team type game where it's just very low scoring, kind of ugly, and um, you know I, I don't know. I'll give Minnesota credit though, man. They they made the plays late, like they made the big plays to win the game, and then obviously got a, a big field goal as well. Man, I'll tell you. So back to the Florida game. I told y'all I'm not high on them. Right now, I could they, they might go eleven and one. Maybe they win every other game. Am I going to yeah, say they're I, not? I, 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 yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I, I, I would say the odds are very low, but they're not. They're not very good. And I think exactly what we anticipated. The quarterback play was not very good. They finally scored a touchdown late. It was more of a great one-on-one play by Caleb Douglas, the receiver, that that got them that touchdown. But you just saw so many errors. And here's one. Wes, special teams, and they actually had the exact same mishap that Pete Limbo talked about the other day. The double numbers. The old double number. They had two number threes on the field at the same time, gave Utah. They had fourth and three. They ended up getting a free first down because of that. And and there were, there were other mishaps. I mean, they had a, a short field goal they missed. There were some problems here. It looked messy. It looked disorganized. This is not a first-year coaching staff, right? And so the Florida fans are none too happy with this. But, but yeah, Pete Limbo's warned about this. Um, I did see someone on Twitter, by the way, and I can call this person out because I have no dog in the fight. It's a Florida fan. Just don't give people double numbers. That was the solution. It's on the coaching staff for having... It's like, well, there's over 100 guys on a football team. Mm-hmm. Probably got to have some double numbers. Sorry. Well, uh, I thought it was funny, Dan Mullen in the studio, I, I think it was at halftime, said you have so many players that request single-digit numbers that you inevitably <laughs> run into this kind of thing. But that's something, like you said, that's just kind of the sign of a, of a poorly coached team. You should know going into the game which guys are supposed to be on the field four field goals, punts, and, and so on and so forth. They, there was a field goal later in the game that I think, what, Florida had like maybe eight or nine guys on the field in total. They didn't have a full full 11 out there. Just so many miscommunications. Yeah. They couldn't convert on a third down. Just a, a terrible look for Florida right out of the gate. And Florida does not have a full-time special teams coach. Oh, yep. That's, ding. Yeah, ding. That's, um, you know what? So I, I kind of, 
it's very easy to just say that's poor coaching. I do think, as far as stuff like that, chaos is actually sometimes the norm because everybody knows offense and defense end up taking up so much time in practice. At a lot of places, no matter how much the coach says, all oh, special teams is just as important as the other two, it's, it's kind of an almost an afterthought. And, you know, I'm sure that thing was probably repped, and I'm sure they had the plan for who was supposed to be on the field. But, I mean, in the middle of a game, especially of this magnitude at the major college level, it's absolute chaos. So I don't know what the actual reasoning what was it that a guy got dinged up. So a second teamer, what you know, a second team special teams guy was on the field where normally a first team guy would have been there. You know, sure, surely it wasn't actually diagrammed that both these guys were supposed to be on the field. There was some miscommunication along the way. I think what happened... The, the was there an explanation? Yeah, there was some type of explanation. And Napier said, hey, that shouldn't have happened. But I think they were going from a, uh, a two-man setup to a one. And so in the course of, of kind of changing up their play, they left both guys on the field and didn't communicate to the other one to, to get off the field. So you ended up having two number threes on the field, one DB, one wide receiver. Yeah, and I... I think it was just a reminder, the, especially with the limitations of your practice time in college football, stuff like this is going to happen. Even the best coach teams, stuff like this is going to happen. But I think also to me that reiterates how nice it is for South Carolina to have a guy like Pete Limbo who is elite of the elite. And, you know, and even he'll tell you if he was sitting here right now, his special teams aren't perfect. They're going to... They're going to have mistakes as well. I, I think the key is can you minimize your mistakes? And over time, if you minimize those mistakes, you're going to come out uh, you know, ahead. But this, you, you, nobody wants to be the coach who has one of these type unforced errors yeah. in a national you know, sort of prominent game and it being something that really affects your your ability to win or lose the game. Well, and and I think you look at those two games last night, week one games for both these teams, so we can apply this to what we're going to see tomorrow or, or just the kind of the matchups they're in tomorrow. But the teams that lost last night looked kind of sloppy. They looked week one, they looked disorganized. And so a lot of times in week one, I mean, Nebraska is not a finished product, right? Uh, Florida's not a finished product. Maybe they play better. I think there are some signs, some poor signs there for both teams. And win or lose, what we see tomorrow isn't going to completely define South Carolina's season. We, we've seen that movie, right? I mean, what? just take the past two years. It's been kind of a week-to-week roller coaster at times. And so South Carolina, you're trying to find consistency over the course of an entire season. You got to do that immediately tomorrow because this North Carolina team they're going to play if you leave the game and South Carolina has made the most mistakes, South Carolina probably loses. You just look at Nebraska. The three picks last night, right? Minnesota had 55 rushing yards and won the football game because of three interceptions. You look at what Florida did. They had too many miscues to win that game. And so you, you got to be ready to play tomorrow. And, and so I think that that's a big part of week one is just who, who has the kinks the most worked out when they step on the field. Absolutely, and we'll continue to look into the Gamecocks as uh, today's edition of the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour 
rolls on. Real quick, though, before we uh, you know jump into all the Gamecock stuff, news of the day, uh, ACC officially adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU starting next year. Look, we knew this was most likely going to happen. It's been rumored for a while now. They had a meeting scheduled earlier in the week. They had to move because of the tragedy up there uh, in Chapel Hill with, with the shooting. Um, but, but this has finally been made official, and uh, another domino in the conference realignment falls for 2024. I mean, I, I just think it's sad. Uh, the Pac-12, by um, all intents and purposes, is no more because pretty much every single major program, major school that uh, was a part of the Pac-12 has uh, left to head elsewhere. So it, it's kind of disintegrated before our very eyes. Um, probably probably an ESPN 30 for 30 background on all the different reasons. I probably can't speak to many of them. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm sad. Obviously, if you're sitting out here in Columbia, you're, you're happy to be in a conference that it's kind of leading the way. But it just goes to show you if you if you kind of rest on what you've done before, then, uh, you know, these other conferences are going to come in and be aggressive and, and kind of eat you alive. Yeah, I mean, Elaine DeValter, by the way, one of the is she now one of the best pitchers in ACC history softball? Those jokes are going around a lot. Marshawn Lloyd. <laughs> hey, I actually, I actually broke the news to her about Stanford joining the ACC last hour. Oh, did you? I, I did. She didn't know. I, I missed that part. Yeah, I could see um, as Tyler was talking about it, the wheels turning, and then the sort of like, oh my gosh, what? moment. Yeah, got it. Got to be a little bit. If you, I mean, think about that. She, she just finished an entire career playing in the Pac-12. And now, again, by all intents and purposes, the Pac-12 is no more. I know it's insane, and and this this year, and I was talking about this with Colin earlier. Obviously, you know, so much to focus on in in 2024 with 12 team playoff and all this realignment. But I hope we all kind of really appreciate what we're seeing in 2023 in college football and college sports as a whole, because it truly is kind of the end of the era in in a lot of different respects. Yeah, and he, here's the thing that I think comes next as far as like what is next right so the sec and the big 10 are obviously kind of hoarding schools and and they're the they're the big dogs now so what happens with a clemson what happens with the florida state we know clemson's been a little bit more behind the scenes and what they've been looking to do they've certainly had conversations um and have been i guess i guess lobbying would be the best way to put it florida state has been lobbying behind the scenes and very publicly but So far, those teams remain in the ACC, and the ACC, in probably an effort for self-preservation to protect itself, they have looked at now adding more programs. So do Clemson and Florida State ultimately look around and say, okay, we don't really love this, but this is our best option. Some people kind of in college athletics, administrators think that. There's this outside notion that, oh, well, the SEC and the Big Ten, they would love to have Clemson. They would love to have Florida State. Why wouldn't they? But it's not that simple normally. Um, and there hasn't really actually been a lot of traction with that, as it turns out. Not as much as maybe you would think just on a surface level it takes. So ACC continuing to expand. We'll see what that means for them. But the SEC, if you're a South Carolina fan, obviously, and probably are listening to us, you got to be really happy with where you're situated and that you're not in the situation that a lot of these other programs around the country are finding themselves in. Absolutely. We'll dive into the Gamecocks and the Tar Heels coming up next. Buy or sell. As we get set for week number one tomorrow night, you're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. (laughs) 
Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on the game, Tyler Head broadcasting live from the Darlington Raceway ahead of this weekend's Cookout Southern 500 that does get the NASCAR playoffs rolling. Real quick, want to thank our friends over at Schroeder's Towing for allowing myself, Bill Preston, and Jen to be out here this morning. Schroeder's, of course, has a huge fleet for any and all of your towing and hauling needs, and they have incredibly fast response times as well. If you need them, give them a call, 803-772-7930. Again, 803-772-7930. Thanks again to our friends over at Schroeder's Towing. It's now time for our favorite segment as we get set for another edition of Gamecock football coming up this weekend against Star Heels. It's Buy or Sell. Wes, take it away. Yes, it is Buy or Sell, brought to you by my friend, Kendall Walsh and our friends at Dwell Columbia. Guys, are you ready? I've been ready. They've been ready. All right. Born ready. Born ready, says Tyler. Drake May, last season, you guys, he threw for 4,321 yards, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He had a long of 80. He also rushed for a bunch of yards, too. We're going to stick to the throwing game for this first one. So if you average that out over the 14 games, that was an average of 309 yards passing per game last year for Drake May. So we're going to use that as our baseline. Buy or sell. Drake May throws for 309 yards or more Saturday night in Charlotte. Chris Clark, you are up first. 309, not 300. 309, that was his average last year. Mm. So, I'm going to say he goes just over 309. So, buy, but it's close. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Tyler, what you got, man? Yeah, I'll buy him at 309. I I think the bulk of what this Chip Lindsey offense is going to be is throwing the ball quite a bit, uh, especially deep downfield, given what May's arm strength is. And just because he throws over 300 yards doesn't mean that North Carolina's going to win the game necessarily. I mean, Graham Mertz threw for 333 last night, and they lost pretty badly. So I'm going to buy him at over 309. That's a good stat, Tyler. Yeah, I didn't realize Graham Mertz threw for 333. It probably doesn't happen often, but the... yeah. That that's the funny thing about quarterback stats. Yeah. Like if I mean if you normally I know what did Spencer throw for like a million against Tennessee? It was Yeah. Three hundred, four hundred something. Roughly a million. You, but you it, usually, it was four thirty eight. Usually that is not a great sign because it means you're chasing points. It means you're not running the ball. Yeah. I I've steadily kind of gotten on board with Chris Pascal a little bit in that I think it you know, he can throw for three hundred yards and you're almost okay with that if it means North Carolina rushed for like 60 yards if if he throws for 
300 yards and they also rushed for 200 yards, you're, you're not winning. That's where your problem is. <laughs> yeah. that, that's when yeah. you're going to be in an absolute shootout, right? Yeah. And Spencer threw for 377 against Arkansas last year. Including a bunch of explosives. Yeah. Um, I lost that game. All right. I mean, so he, look, he had several games where he was just in the 200s last year, especially later in the year. I, I, I think they're going to try to balance this thing out a little bit in, you know, under Chip Lindsey's scheme. I'll, I'll sell partially because you both bought, but I can't really say I'm that confident either way. All right, uh, let's move it on along. Can't, hold on, Wes. Can you show your work? What, what, what's his... What's the yardage total then? You're selling. I mean, you're going like a two seventy five. Yeah, two seventy five. Are you going like three oh two? Three oh eight. Well, three oh eight. All right, so one dollar, Bob. Shout out, Bob Barker. Uh, rest in peace. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Jinx. But all right, the last few games of last season, passing yardage two oh six, two sixty eight. 233, mm. 202. So, and that was on their losing streak. Yeah, so I mean... Oh, okay. You have to go back to the prior game before that stretch, and he threw for a massive 448 against Wake Forest. So, there, there weren't very many games where it was like right at that average number. It was like pretty well under or way, way, way over. So, yeah, I'll, I'll sell it. Again, not that confident on it. Okay, let's go. Speaking of special teams earlier, South by yourself, South Carolina will have a special teams impact play, which is being defined as a special teams touchdown, two-point conversion, block, or first down off a of fake. I think I covered all the bases there. We'll even give you a bonus 50-yard return. So, so no just... Kai Kroger, coffee no, 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 corner no, 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 down no, to the two-yard no, line. That no, count. No, this guy's two run of the mill for you. Yes, he will. Not. He will definitely. He will almost surely <laughs> down one punt. Okay, at least one punt inside the ten. Tyler, you're up first on this one. Are you buying that Pete Limbo, even though North Carolina has probably prepared for it all off season, <laughs> that they will hit another trick on an opponent in week one? Uh... I'll sell it just because, like you said, they're so keyed in on it being that being one of the major focuses this entire offseason. We're definitely going to see it throughout the entire season. And again, go and go over to 1075game.com because if they score a special teams touchdown, you can oh, wow, a gift plug. card on Mondays on the following, uh, <laughs> following that game. But I'm going to sell it for this weekend. What a plug. Chris Clark, what you got, my Tyler friend? on fire with the segues lately. <laughs> uh, I've got, I'm going to buy this one. Mm-hmm. Do I have to pick which one? You don't have to. I'm it going counts, to. I'm but going you, can, to. Okay. you can go for it. Give me a two-point conversion. So a little bit of like the safer. Like I think they might just line up at some point, get a look that they like, and and put in the call and, and say we're going for two. You know, maybe it's eight eight to seven. Maybe it's fifteen to nothing, like we saw in the in the last game. Whatever it may be. I'm gonna say they go for a two point conversion, so I'll buy it. Okay, I'm I'm buying as well. Um Limbo will have something up his sleeve. Oh, as soon as, as soon as you think ah, there's no way they can catch him off guard, they they come up with something new. So I'll buy. Um, all right, third one. South Carolina 
will have a 100-yard rusher oh. in this game. That's a good one. Buy or sell. Um, any Tyler or Chris, are you, you need time to think? Or are you, you ready? Whichever one no. of you has. No. Chris is ready. All right, Chris, you go first on this one. Buy. I'm going to buy it. Ooh. Almost, almost against my gut. Yeah? But I think I'm going to buy it. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to carry on Joiner. Just eclipses that. But it's close. You can give me like a uh, 107. 107.5. <laughs> there you go. Um, in Columbia, um, Myrtle Beach, and Florence. Yeah, right. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be hesitant on this one. I'm going to go with Cell. Uh, I, I think... To carry on, certainly capable of getting up there in the 70 to 80 yard range, but I think there's going to be a lot of split carries here. I just don't know if anybody's going to have quite enough to eclipse 100. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. Like my my gut is kind of like, yeah, probably not. Maybe it, it gets split up, like the yardage gets split up. But then, dude, this is this UNC defense was so bad last year. Um, even with Carolina's question marks at offensive tackle. I kind of feel like they should be able to lean on these guys and create some some room up front, especially if Spencer has a good day through the air, which I think he will. I, I will. I'll buy it. Um, all right. I'm. We'll, we'll get to the final one here. I, I don't think we have time for this other one I had. So we will give our score predictions in the final segment. Yes. But this will be a preview of that. We always include this in buy or sell as well. So buy or sell, South Carolina defeats the Tar Heels tomorrow night. Tyler, real quick, I'll say bye. I'm a bye. Wow, bye, bye. It's a triple bye. I'm gonna buy as well. You hey, can't. You we're, can't. We're just we're just in sync. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we gotta we gotta. They're gonna cut us off, but. No, you can't. I feel like game one, Carolina versus Carolina. Coin. This is a coin flip football game. It really is. It's a coin flip sure. football game. Right. You got to. Uh, you got to give the people what they want. You can't. You just. You can't sell that. You can't pick the Gamecocks to lose this game. They'll mad at you. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? That ain't no lie. Bye bye bye. We'll have more and hear what a coach Beamer had to say on Carolina calls last night. Coming up next here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on the game. You're talking about Hot 107.5 The Game. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. There are lots of places to buy your next ride, but there is no place like Love Chevy where you never pay more than MSRP ever. Come by and feel the difference of love. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Find new roads. We're talking about sponsored by Love Chevrolet on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. We are in fantastic shape. Um, yes, uh, you know, three guys won't play JT Gear, Connor Cox. Uh, will not play, and then Bam Scott won't be able to play. Should have those guys back next week. Uh, I know everybody's waiting to hear what I'm going to say about Juice Wells and Nicholas Harbor, and they are full go, ready to prep, uh, ready to play. Had them 
That's what I said. Uh, they had a fantastic week of practice, and, and uh, they couldn't be more excited about playing. And, and credit to them, credit to Clint Haggard and our training staff, uh, Chip Morton, who works in, in, our, in our strength and conditioning and works with rehab with our guys, Josh Fike in our training room. Fantastic job getting those guys ready to play uh, in a short period of time. So they look great in practice this week, and they feel great. Looking forward to watching them Saturday night. Yeah. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you this morning. I'm broadcasting live out at the Darlington Raceway ahead of Sunday's Cookout Southern 500. That was the sound of Coach Beamer last time in Carolina Calls. Final time we're going to get to hear from him ahead of Saturday night's game. Giving us news that so many people have been waiting for. Juice Wells and Nicholas Harbor a full go for Saturday night. And guys, I know you two are tired of answering the speculation about what was going to happen with these two guys in particular, but a lot of guys that were dealing with some nagging injuries through camp. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the nature of football. I do think it always is interesting. Everybody gets a little upset. Says, man, why do we have so many injuries? Well, it's a very physical game, physical camp, and uh, it, it's going to happen. I'm I'm a little bit, honestly, personally disappointed we don't get to see the debut of JT Gear. I think yeah. he's got a, a great place among this roster Chris, we've talked about him and the fact that he's got multiple years ahead. This is not a one-and-done transfer situation for him, but I'm, I'm hoping that won't be something that lingers for him, that it's more of a short-term thing because uh, I think he's going to play a big role on this team. And then, uh, you know, Bam Martin Scott, he is not like that marquee name for, for a lot of fans, but plays a pretty prominent role in special teams plays a fairly prominent role, or he has the last couple of years as a reserve linebacker. He's a guy that gets on the field quite a bit if they do go to three linebacker sets. And so that that's kind of low-key a couple of guys that I'm sure they would love to have on the field. But obviously Gamecock fans have definitely been tuned in to Juice Watch and <laughs> Harbor Watch. Well, and here's the good, so here's the good news at linebacker. And I, I made this... Uh, point yesterday you remember the year a couple years ago you kind of had your top three at linebacker and it was Sherrod Green Brad Johnson and Damani Staley Sherrod goes down with an injury early against Georgia and now you're basically playing two and Wes you remember how many snaps those guys played during the course mm-hmm. of the season so you you have more of a rotation we think this year with Stone Blanton, Debo Williams. You have Mo Caba, who's kind of that, we, we've used this terminology for a couple different guys this offseason, kind of a third starter there. You know, I mean, Debo's earned that spot. Stone's earned that spot. But so is Mo. And, and, and getting back from that knee, he seems to be healthy. You've got Pup Howard, who's a true freshman, but has worked himself in there. He's on the depth chart. And I think Bam, if he had been more healthy during camp, probably does make the depth chart and so that that does cut into your experience a little bit it cuts into your special teams it cuts into your depth a little bit but I don't think it's as hurtful as it would have been maybe a couple years ago maybe last year as we saw when Cabo went down JT Gear is a really interesting one to me so he he was kind of battling with Tyreek Johnson to be a starter and it was Tyreek JT Gear and Terrell Dawkins as oars on the depth chart. And mm-hmm. a big reason for that, two main re- two reasons really. One, it was a battle during preseason. Two, all three of those guys had spent time in blue jerseys, banged up to various degrees in preseason camp. So that one to me might be a bigger deal for game one, especially with all the questions that you've got at the edge position. Does this mean 
that Drew Tuazama gets in the game a little bit more, Wes. I think that is a question worth asking. And this one, this one cuts into your depth a little bit. Hey, if JT Gear was healthy, he may have been the starter for this game. So I think if you're kind of ranking those two, that the, the JT Gear went a little bit of a bigger deal to me. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I think uh, again, he was he was a guy that I was looking forward to getting a look at. I, I liked what we saw in, in minimal viewing windows, and I, I liked him sort of uh, coming out of Syracuse as well. I know you liked him as a prospect out of high school. Uh, so he, he certainly will have his chance, hopefully, once he gets healthy, of making an impact on this team and will be a guy in that rotation. It does sort of, once again, bring the question to my mind of what are the chances we see them mix Tonka in as kind yeah. of that outside defensive end edge spot. Particularly, man, I just keep uh, – it really has not been talked about much, you notice, by the staff. At least publicly, I'm talking about like press conferences and stuff. If T.J. Sanders is basically a third starter at defensive tackle and you have these guys banged up at one of those edge-slash-end spots, then it just makes a lot of sense to me. So I complete speculation, but I, I just wonder if that's the direction they end up going. And, and I also, Wes, you know, Tonka is one of the better pass rushers on the team. I mean, you just go back and watch last season on the interior – he would he would split a couple guys, beat a third. I mean, you know, honestly, he faced double teams, three guys at a time, and, and I think what he did was still underrated. I thought again, I've, I've gone on record. I thought he's the most disruptive defensive lineman on the team last year, and that's even with Zach Pickens, you know, playing right now for the Chicago Bears and, and playing well by all accounts. Um, but Tonka outside is tantalizing to me, especially for this game. Tantalizing. Tantalizing. Mm-hmm. Word of the day. There's an, there you go. Because, you know, I, I think, look, what's another area of concern going into this game? It's stopping the run. Not only for this game, but really the purposes of the whole season. Tonka gives them experience. He gives them size. He's technically sound. So when you think about a lineup of Tonka Hemingway, TJ Sanders, and Boogie, all playing beside each other, mm-hmm. and then Jordan Strawn, his experience level, I like it. A- uh, absolutely, and uh, again, we're just a little over 24 hours away from this game kicking off. Things going to get kicked off coverage-wise here locally on 107.5 The Game in Columbia tomorrow afternoon at 2.30 with Gamecocks Game Day. Myself and Terry Ford broadcasting live from O'Hara's out in Lexington, and then we'll take you up to network coverage at 4.30, which you'll be able to hear also on 100.3 The Game out in Myrtle Beach leading you up till kickoff. Uh, they say 7.30. It'll really be like 7.45. But regardless, whenever the game kicks off, we'll have it for you right here on The Game. We'll come back, wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Give our final thoughts as well as our score predictions for tomorrow night's matchup between the Gamecocks and the Star Heels. Right back here on the game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 1075 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. 
no. Um, <laughs> no disrespect to Duke's Mayo, but one time was enough for me. Great question, Reed. No, I got hammered pretty good. Yes, yeah, like uh, concussion yeah, is not exactly. yours. So I, uh, a great memory for sure. Uh, but like I said before the bowl game, Todd, if it meant we won the game, they can dump Mayo on me all they want if that means we won. So. <laughs> Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. That was Coach Beamer again last night on Carolina Calls. Not too keen on taking another Duke's Mayo bath. Of course, he had that after the last time these two teams squared off in the Duke's Mayo Bowl a couple of seasons ago. I don't think the stakes are, are quite the same when it comes to the kickoff game up there in Charlotte. But if it meant that the Gamecocks were going to win, I think that Beamer would happily bathe in Mayo again. The, the actual Mayo bath wasn't a problem as much i mean uh, the but that that thing was heavy man that was a big jug heavy. of mayonnaise and it was full and he got hammered with it uh mac brown said it didn't mac brown say before the game last year like i don't have a mac brown impression yeah they, he's got a very distinctive voice yeah they could hit me over the head with a frying pan man, we won. that's exactly what i was telling elijah in the break i thought i thought that's what he said it's either in the head or in the face but either way um but yeah beamer getting the mayo bath that was hilarious. I feel like that's a story that that uh, person who hit him in the head will tell their grandkids one day. Like, I hit Shane Beamer in the head with a... It'd be one of those things nobody believes, but hey, you can check YouTube. <laughs> Concussion protocol from getting hit in the head with a giant vat of mayonnaise. Yes, put that's that on the one. official injury report. That's right. Uh, but again, this last segment here of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is we are on the cusp. We're at the door. Step a little over 24 hours away. And, you know, we, we talked about it in the buy or sell segment. We're all buying South Carolina, picking up the victory. But a lot of different ways this game could go. Yeah, I, I think um, it feels high scoring, right? Like you look at the two quarterbacks, you look at the question marks, I would say overall on defense for UNC. You look at the question marks last year, stopping the run on defense for South Carolina, plus replacing Cam Smith and replacing Darius Rush. It feels like there could be an opportunity there for points as well. Generally, though, it's very unpredictable when it comes to week one matchups. Um, You know, sometimes, especially with offensive line questions for both teams, it can be more low scoring than you expect or... That could mean more turnovers, which then in turn, you know, can be less traditional scoring, but scoring nonetheless. So those are the things I will keep an eye on. How about this matchup? South Carolina's revamped corners against UNC's revamped receiving core that at this point in time will not include Tez Walker. So Marcellus Dial, OD Fortune, Keenan Nelson in there at nickel. And then against several guys who are having to replace some some ultra productive guys for UNC last year, I think that could be an interesting game within the game. If if Clayton White's guys are able to lock down those receivers on the outside, it allows him to feel comfortable once again doing what he did last year, which was playing a lot of man coverage, bringing an extra linebacker, and not having to get pressure with four guys. So that would be something if you're in the game and you're not on that TV copy, I would be paying a lot of attention to is is South Carolina able to consistently keep up their cornerbacks against North Carolina's wide receivers. And the and the RPO game in there too. I mean, game within the game, we could probably have about 37 different things. Um especially for game 1 just because both these teams 
you know, come in with so many question marks, so many uh, questions of, of what is this or that going to look like. <clears throat> but I think, Wes, so the biggest challenges, I think, for me, for each team, you know, for South Carolina, you you kind of know more about Chip Lindsey's offense than Gene Chizik, the defensive coordinator for North Carolina, knows about Dow Loggins' offense as far as what it'll look like. But it's very tough to defend this style of offense if you've got really, really good players. You got a great quarterback in Drake May. The system itself can be tough. And they go tempo if they're moving the chains. They're going to try to run the football. They got a stable of backs. They've got uh, the RPO concepts that can be very, very stressing on a defense. Again, I've said before, this is going to be a huge test for South Carolina's linebacking core, a, a group that's made strides in the offseason. It's expected to have a better year. This is going to stress them because. Not only are they going to be counted on to just stop the run and, and help be more productive there, but these RPO type of concepts can be really, really tough when you're, you know, can kind of get you called in no man's land. UNC, to your point, Wes, they lost Josh Downs. They lost Antoine Green. That was their top two receivers from last year. They're apparently not going to have Tez Walker and some, unless something crazy happens. They have some good tight ends. They have some good receivers, but they're all receivers that are looking to, to kind of take that next step whereas South Carolina, probably a little bit more known commodity, certainly in Juice Wells and then maybe some of their other guys too. All right, guys, as we wrap up here, putting a bow on this week, uh, the, the final show of the off season, of talking season, of depth chart season, <laughs> got to throw out those score predictions. What are we feeling the scoreboard's going to look like at the end of this game tomorrow night? Yeah, that is a great question, Tyler. Um, I already had to give my pick on Gamecock Central. I feel like maybe not quite as high scoring as is being presented out there, but still relatively high scoring. I went South Carolina 31, North Carolina 27. So I've Did got... Ha- go ahead, Tyler. Go ahead, Chris. No, go ahead, go, go ahead, Chris. So there are, again, similarities between these teams with the high-quality quarterbacks, the new offenses, defenses that are looking to take a step forward. I think it is <laughs> keeping on brand. Close game, 41-38, to 38, South Carolina. Well, I guess uh, me and Wes had the exact same score prediction on yep. Gamecock Central because I also went with 31-27. I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for both these sides to score. I do think with the you know the working out the bugs of new offenses on both sides, I do think there's going to be a few missed opportunities here and there, but it's going to be tied all the way down to the wire. And again, uh, a four-point game in, in mine and Wes's mind uh, once it comes down to the end. Yeah, I just copied and pasted your paragraph and score, <laughs> Tyler. So you caught me. Changed a couple words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be tight. I think I, I don't know a soul who really thinks it's going to be a blowout one way or another. I think uh, most people expect it to be in a relatively high scoring, if not an all-out shootout. And you got two teams that I really just think it's it's a coin flip and it's a week one. So who really knows? Well, we're finally here. It's been a long off season. We've talked ad nauseum about the offensive line, about the running backs, against ev- about everything in between, we're finally going to get some answers tomorrow night. I I can't wait. I'm so excited. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Gamecock Central will be there. Gamecock Nation will be there, I think. Um, if you're in Charlotte and you see us, say what's up. We'll be out and about and just uh, looking forward to it. We, we finally got here after what seems like a decade of the offseason. 
Well, y'all be safe heading up to Charlotte tomorrow, and certainly if you're heading up to Charlotte yourself for the game, uh, be safe yourself. And hopefully we're talking about a great Gamecock victory come Monday, Reaction Monday coming up on Labor Day. Certainly excited for that as well. And the full slate of college football coming up this weekend. Thanks so much to Elijah for keeping us on the tracks in the producer studio. A halftime show with Jay and Terry coming up next as Football Friday rolls on here on the game.